Today's special episode is brought to you by Droplet. They developed an award-winning skincare device that turns scientifically proven ingredients into a micro-mist that's small and fast-moving enough for your skin to actually absorb it. And their origin story is pretty incredible. Surrounding yourself with people who have done it before is hypercritical to being successful. Because I think that's how you really learn and you can expand the way that you think about the business as a whole. Welcome to After Five-ish, a bonus series where we take a break from our regularly scheduled show for quick chats with pros who can help you live a smarter work life. You ever meet somebody in passing or hear of someone and think, I wish I could ask them about their job? Us too. With After Five-ish, we're calling those people up to get the best bits of career advice they can share. Okay, on to the show. Today, our guest is Rathi Srinivas. She is the co-founder and chief technology officer of Droplet, a revolutionary skincare company that's looking to change how we get products into our skin. Before starting her own company, Rathi got her PhD in chemical engineering from MIT. Rathi, we're excited to chat with you today. Welcome to After Five-ish. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. So before we get into the conversation, we like to warm up with a lightning round so we can get to know you a little bit better. Quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Rathi, what was your very first job? Maybe it's not even on your resume. Very first job was actually, I was a research intern at Rutgers University when I was a high schooler and it's no longer on my resume. (laughs) Wow. I mean, like mine was babysitting and camp counseling. (laughs) So that's pretty impressive. Do you have any hobbies or skills that we wouldn't know about? I love cooking, especially South Indian food. I'm South Indian and um, I have a knack for making puns. So people call them dad jokes, but I like to call it a mom joke too. We love a good pun at this game. I also am into jogging and photography. (laughs) What is the best dish that you make? So there's a South Indian dish called a dosa. I don't know if you've had it before, but it's like a fried crepe. And um, you eat it with different vegetables or with like lentil soup. And I really like perfected it over the years. So I have a cast iron skillet at home and super proud of it. (laughs) Amazing. So in prepping for this, read that you went to MIT, chemical engineering, What was like the craziest invention you wanted to make and never got to? Well, you know, I always wanted to to go into space. I wrote my college essay about working at NASA. That aspect of what I wanted to do as a kid, never really got to explore it. But the fact that people are looking into space technology these days, it's like so super interesting to me. Who's someone you would want to sit next to at a dinner party? They can be dead or alive. So... Katherine Johnson is really inspiring, did a lot of the really instrumental work at NASA, actually, which is what we were just talking about. And I think she's just like broke a lot of glass ceilings for women in STEM as a whole. So that would be really cool. What's the last show you binge watched? I just binged through Inventing Anna on Netflix. It was like on the top five and I just blasted through it in like a week. So good, right? Yeah, it was so good. So we want to get into the meat of our conversation which, as we mentioned in your introduction, you have a very academic background. We've actually talked to quite a few people on the show who kind of came up the academic route and then switched. I'm always fascinated about kind of that transition to starting your own business or making a leave from academia. Walk us through like what that transition was for you. 
Yeah. So coming from like a PhD, it's a very academic background. It's super research focused. And although my PhD was on applied technologies like medical diagnostics and devices, it's like a lot different from how you approach product development in a business. So I'm very lucky. I'm thankful that I have such a strong foundation and pursuing a PhD gave me that because it's not just about what research you do. It also teaches you how to be an analytical thinker, teaches you how to problem solve through issues that don't have a set answer before. And it lets you know how to design experiments and how to do proof of concept studies. And all of those things are super important for Droplet because we're fundamentally rooted in science. That all being said, the hard part was like taking an idea that has some proof of concept behind it and turning it into a real product that actually is useful to people, that's manufacturable. So we've actually taken our product through over 12 iterations. The very first version was really big. It was like looked very different. And I think we had to learn how to make it into a product that consumers would really resonate with. And all of the product development around that is really new to me. Like I hadn't done it before in my PhD. And it was one of those things we had to learn on the job. In the end, really, you learn by doing things. And my co-founder and I have literally touched every part of the business over the last couple of years. And in doing so, you learn all the things that you didn't know before. And you start to become like a little bit of an expert in it. But then most importantly, like we've been able to surround ourselves with people who are experts and who have been there and have done it before. And that helps us close any gaps that we have and where we haven't been able to do things ourselves before. When you talk about gaps, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of mentors help us at different points in the company. What I think is so interesting about what you do is there is the more technical science side, and then there's also the business side. Have you had mentors? And if so, how have you found them? We have so many mentors. And I think surrounding yourself with people who have done it before is hypercritical to being successful. Because I think that's how you really learn and you can expand the way that you think about the business as a whole. We're based in Boston. This is like an amazing hub to be in. It has so many biotech companies, so many hardware companies, and Droplet falls right in the middle of those two sectors. There's so many universities here. We have world-class scientists and doctors and people that we have access to. So we've been able to build a really amazing network of advisors, both on the scientific side, on the medical side, and also on the business development side by really harnessing our network. In our early days, we actually were part of this accelerator called Mass Challenge. And we worked in some of the co-working spaces. We meet a lot of really um, people with tangential skill sets to yours in programs like that. And then a lot of it is just networking through the people that we know that are doing other cool things. And luckily, like we have great investors. They've connected us with really great people. So through all of that, we've been able to put together like a really amazing advisory board. So one of the things that I think is really interesting about your company is that you got funding both like the traditional investor route, mm-hmm. but also through different grant processes. We talk a lot about pitching on the show and how challenging it can be to pitch to investors. I would just love to understand, like, was there a difference between how you pitched and also what did you learn about yourself in, in doing this pitch process? Yeah, so they're very different, actually. So um, we've done like the scientific grant route. We've done, we've gone through traditional investors. We just closed our Series B recently. And I think they help you move the business forward in, in slightly different ways. But in both cases, you're telling people about an unsolved problem, an exciting new technology or some way that you're proposing to solve it. And you want to prove that you have a really solid team that can execute on it. So we actually were initially funded through scientific grants. And the way that works is you submit like this anywhere from 40 to 80 page document that has a lot of information, which shows your scientific hypothesis. You want to prove out what you're developing. 
we get in the weeds about how the technology works, why it would be impactful for what problem we're trying to solve and propose every single study that we're going to carry out to make sure that we're going to show that it works. And one of our very first NIH grants was actually about using the device to treat a really rare disease called epidermolysis bullosa. And this was really critical for us. We were able to take that funding and prove a lot of the science of the technology out. And we even were able to publish a book chapter based on the work that we did with the grant and are submitting a lot of that work for peer-reviewed publication. So it really propels us forward on giving the technology scientific credibility and also being able to dig deep into the fundamentals of different aspects of how the tech actually works. On the other hand, like pitching to traditional investors is definitely a little bit different. So while all of this stuff about the clinical proof and the biological studies are important, it's only one piece of the story that you're telling. So it's not sufficient to be able to get venture capital funding. And so in doing that, really, it's about like telling people what the big picture problem is, why your product addresses a need in the market, like what the product market fit is, and what it is about what you're building that is fundamentally new and super exciting and going to really change the world. On top of all of that, especially for us, like we're a consumer product, they want to know that people love what we're selling. But I think at the end of the day, both of these have been super critical in getting us to where we are today. We've been chatting with Rathi Srinivas about her experience developing and launching the droplet system. And it really kind of got me geeking out about the difference between like putting things on your skin, which we do every day, and then like actually getting things in your skin. So our skin is obviously built to keep things out, like collagen. It's the most abundant protein in our bodies. Like 80% of our skin is collagen. And if you've thought at all about aging, you know that this is what helps keep skin firm and hydrated. But as we get older, it breaks down and that can lead to things like fine lines and wrinkles. We don't need to talk about that. But we know there's a ton of stuff out there um, that talk about how like collagen rich their formulas are and how much your skin can absorb. It's a really interesting kind of differentiation between what goes on your skin and what goes in it. Because thankfully, two MIT scientists have invented a device that turns skincare ingredients like collagen into a fast-moving micro-mist that can actually like penetrate your skin barrier. So at the end, you get radiant, glowy skin stat. Visit droplet.io to learn more and use code SKIM20 for 20% off a device. That's D-R-O-P-L-E-T-T-E dot I-O and enter code S-K-I MM20 Droplet Transforming Skin Health Through Science. We've actually never had someone on the show who's raised from these different funding sources, but I know NASA was one of your first backers. How did you guys make the decision about making it consumer facing versus something that was going to be? I guess, really just focused on more of the scientific and medical community? We very much invented it as a medical device at the very start. Our founding story is that my co-founder, Madhavi, and I, we went to this conference and learned about this really debilitating skin disease called epidermolysis bullosa. And that's where skin can adhere to the muscle below it because patients are missing this one gene that holds the collagen together underneath it. It's super painful. It's mostly in pediatric patients. 
and they don't live very long. And it was something that we went to this conference and saw it and we're like, why can't we solve this? Like, why is there a new cure for this disease? We kind of dug deeper into it and realized that it's actually a big challenge to deliver big molecules deep into the skin. And that if we had developed a technology that could do it painlessly, that we'd be able to potentially treat EB. And I think in doing that, in going through all of the medical work and applying for these grants and doing the research, we realized that EB is like something that's a big problem, but there are so many skincare problems that are out there. It's not just one. Like we thought this technology can be applied to so many different aspects. So the decision to go into the consumer space first was really because people would ask us, well, can I use this on my skin? Like I have acne or I have hyperpigmentation or I have something else that I'd love to use this product on. And we were like, well, this is something that could be really useful to so many people. And we think we can really solve problems that a lot of people have. So we decided to first launch it in the consumer space to put the technology out there and to let people access it for a wide range of skincare concerns. But we're still very much pursuing all of the scientific work on the on medical work, I should say, on the back end. So we still have ongoing funding for um, the EB project. We have um, studies ongoing in wound healing. And we actually have a collaboration with the Walter Reed Army Institute for research. And we're working with them on using droplet for blast wounds. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, you've raised money, you've scaled a team, you're doing incredible partnerships now. What do you think you are best at in your job? I really think it falls right in between new product development, but building the right team to make it happen. So hiring is one of the most important things that we do as a company because you really need to build a team of amazing people to make their ideas a reality. Really, I love being part of the new product development process and to pull the team together that can make it happen. (laughs) How has the relationship with your co-founder evolved over time? So Malia and I have actually known each other for almost 15 years this September. So our relationship is like a teenager. And I think that working with someone that you've known for that long, it's amazing because you know them really well. We knew each other before we started a company together. And I think that strong foundation helps a lot, especially when you're trying to make business decisions together, or you're trying to problem solve through something, I think that it's really just an important foundation. We totally agree. And also like talk about that a lot. Like we were friends first before we became business partners. How have you, you know, as the business has scaled and you kind of have each grown as leaders, like where do you see that you're the same and where do you see that you're really different? Well, so Malavi's background is in, it's in mathematics, computer science, my background's in chemical engineering. So they're very complementary to each other from like a technical perspective, I would say. And that helps a lot because like oftentimes we we're trying to think of different ideas, like whether it's launching a new formulation or having like a new feature on the hardware and having different perspectives really helps a ton. She's like amazing at coming up with different ideas in the product development. I really am good at taking those ideas and working through them to like bring them through to the finish line. So I think we work really, really well together as a team because she's integral to the product development. And I think that without her, a lot of the stuff we've, we've done so far, we wouldn't be able to have done it. But at the same time, it requires the two of us and the two skill sets we have to make it a reality at the end of the day. When you were launching, around the time you were launching Droplet, you found out you were pregnant. I am pregnant with my second. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. You know, when our business was much further along, we were past the launch phase. What was it like for you to have these really, really exciting, but also really big new developments in your life happening kind of at the same time? 
So I found out I was pregnant like literally two weeks before we launched Droplet to the world, which was also in the middle of COVID and there were like no vaccines. Yeah. Yet, so it was definitely pretty scary because I was still like very much working in the office because I was really involved in our manufacturing and fulfillment and all of that back then. And I think definitely it was a lot balancing both of them next to each other. But it really became more important than ever then to build out a team that you could trust because that I'd feel comfortable stepping away when the baby came based on the stuff that like I worked on on a day-to-day basis. As a founder, like it's really hard to unplug. You can't just walk away from it. But I got as close as I possibly could. And I think it's because having an amazing co-founder helps a lot and a really supporting team helps a lot. That's great. Who is someone else we should have on the show? So I think someone great on the show would be Sharvi Shetty. She's the founder of a lung health company called Aluna in the Bay Area. And they're doing some really, really cool work. I love that recommendation. We will check her out. Thank you. Rathi, congratulations on everything. It's uh, amazing what you've built. And we're so excited to, to watch it continue to grow. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop Cultured with The Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Tuesday.